All right, welcome back to the Buffalo Bread Podcast. We are in the week 18. It has all come to this. Um, we are recording here on Saturday, or Sunday actually, Sunday morning, early Sunday morning. We had a, a bit of a technical issue with our previous recording, so we're coming back at you. Um, and the good news is that gives us the most up-to-date information to share with Bill's Mafia heading into this evening in about 14 hours matchup between the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. Um, Dan's here with me as always to talk about what the heck happened last weekend and what are we so terrified about today. Dan, what's going on? Good morning, JJ. Um, I am terrified tonight that what will happen is what we have seen from the Bills over the last two weeks where they have played either injury-depleted squads in the case of New England or substandard squads in the case of L.A., and they will not rise to the occasion um, against a team that they should manage rather handily. Now, this is no shade to Miami. Miami is a talented team, but I think we can both acknowledge, based off the injury report, they're going to be depleted on the defensive side of the ball, and they're also going to be depleted on the offensive side of the ball as well, with news breaking last night that while Waddle and Moster are questionable, both are unlikely to play in this game. The Bills, J.J., have a track record of absolutely dominating competition that we feel like should be really competitive against them. Um, the first game against Miami is a great case in point. The Dallas game a couple of weeks ago, again, another one. And then I, I guess the term would be playing down to the competition when they face a team that that on paper they should handle pretty readily, but for whatever reason, don't. This is an interesting mix of those two concepts because this is right now the number two seeded team in the AFC in the Miami Dolphins and the team leading the AFC East. They've got a great record, but also this is a roster that is depleted as well. And if the Bills go into this, I think, with a wrong mindset, we could see a game that's much more akin to the New England and the LA game as opposed to that Dallas game. Well, and I think you're absolutely right, and, and we saw the Bills go into Arrowhead and defeat the Chiefs. It was close, but they beat them. They beat, you know, that's the Super Bowl champs from last year, and then turn around and, um, or prior to the to the bye, uh, go to Philly, and in a driving rainstorm, have the game decided basically by just a 59-yard field goal that was probably the most unlikely to make ever to send it to overtime. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, that's what we've seen as Bills fans all year is, they get up for massive competition and they play down to teams they should absolutely roll. This Dolphins squad is the ag exact opposite. They still to this date only have one winning, you know, one winning game against a team above 500 and that's the Cowboys. Um and that one was very close. And so, you know, they've they've lost I think they're 1 and 4 against uh playoff caliber teams this this season. One, they are. It, I, it was an incredible stat that I want to. I want to give credit where credits due. I think I heard it on Extra Point Taken on the Ringer Podcast Network. The Miami Dolphins are currently one in four against teams with a winning record when they played that team, which is the lowest winning percentage and win total in the uh, modern NFL era for any team that has qualified for the playoffs. In addition. That's also the fewest games any uh, playoff qualifying team has played against teams with a winning record at the time they face them as well. So, JJ, I understand advanced metrics, you know, have something to say about strength of schedule and opposing opponent DVOA and all this stuff. But the reality is, is that the Miami Dolphins have had a very easy, light schedule this season. They haven't been tested a lot. And in those moments, they have been tested against good teams. Their, their uh, point margin, their point differential is minus 49 against teams with a winning record when they play them. It, it, it's stunning and staggering for a team that also put up 70 points in a win earlier on in the season. It, it really is a polar opposite team, depending on whether or not they're at home and whether or not they're playing a team with a winning record. It's crazy. And this week they are playing at home, which is something that should give, you know, that's part of the, when we opened the pod talking about being scared of this matchup, this game and the stakes at hand. Um, at this point, we also have the, you know, we have the ability to now to know that the um, Steelers won and the uh, Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts did not tie. So two of the three things that, you know, had that 
had to happen to knock the Bills out of the playoffs should they lose have happened to this juncture. Um, the only the only kind of switch left to flip is tomorrow or today, um, the at 425, I believe, the Jaguars will be taking on the Titans, uh, and whom they've already beat once before. Likely Trevor Lawrence is back in for this game. And if the Jaguars win, they take the AFC South, and that is the final switch. So that uh, that would make a Bills loss, a loss, and you know, goodbye. You're on your couch or booking your trips to Cabo for the off season. So um, that that's kind of punching up even more things that we need to pay attention to that today uh, in this this route to to Miami. And and like you were saying, Miami is is kind of this polarizing team um, against inferior competition versus, you know, superior competition, and then also home and away. Um, they are home. They do have a lot of injury situations that they're stacked up against to kind of slow down that high-flying offense, um, but they do, you know, they also have high stakes. If Miami wins, they're a two-seed, and they're hosting at least two playoff games if they make it that far. If they lose, they're automatically locked in as the six-seed behind Cleveland, and will be traveling to number three, Kansas City Arrowhead, the first round of the playoffs. And so, you know, if I'm Miami, knowing how poorly I play on the road versus how well I play at home, I am not wanting to let the Buffalo Bills take the AFC East from me and that two seat, making the path to a Super Bowl so much, so much harder. It definitely. And on the flip side of that coin, if you're a Bills fan, if the Jags, if both, um, if the uh, the Bills can do no worse than the seventh seed, which means if they find their way into the playoffs today with a Jags loss, but also lose today in Miami, they're just headed back to Miami next week to play this team again. And we know what the the metrics are on beating a team three times in the same season. It's it is almost impossible to do. So if the Bills get the win today and they end up finishing as the two seed, um. I think two things happen. One, we would welcome a home game in Buffalo against the seventh seed, which right now is projecting to be Pittsburgh, I want to say, right? Yeah, I think it's Pittsburgh. Um, especially now with TJ Watt looking like he's got some sort of groin injury as well, uh, and maybe maybe out for that first round uh, against Pittsburgh. Um, and But you avoid that dreaded rematch with a divis- divisional opponent till much later on down the road. Um, so, I, you know, JJ, overall, I think, um, I think the Bills want to win out. That's still the easiest course. I know my trauma as a Bills fan is saying, well, hopefully the Jags lose, so at least we are, we are guaranteed a playoff spot by the time we head into that game. So there's a little less at stake. But still, I think the priority for the Bills has to be winning today, clinching that fourth straight AFC East championship, and then heading into next week, knowing you're going to be at home against a, a tough opponent in Pittsburgh, but knowing that you really can kind of control home field and maybe even could be squeaking out an extra home game, depending on what happens with Baltimore and their matchup against the lowest remaining seed in the divisional round as well. So if you are the Bills, you want to take advantage of this injury depleted Dolphins roster. You want to take advantage of a team offensively that has been down, I would say, over the past couple of weeks. But JJ, I feel like in order for them to do that, the Bills got to figure out a couple of things, primarily on offense. I think you and I can both agree that since the bye, this Buffalo Bills defense has been surprisingly strong. The book on them, especially after that Eagles game, was that they were vulnerable in the spine of the defense because the age of their safeties and the relative inexperience of their linebacking core um, with Matt Milano being out. And despite the fact that Terrell Bernard who is a Pro Bowl snub, by the way. Um, Despite the fact that Terrell Bernard had been playing absolutely out of his mind, and we see it every week. Teams were exploiting the middle of the field on this Buffalo Bills defense. Flash forward after that Philly game, and this Buffalo Bills defense has played absolutely lights out at every level of the field. Um, Hyde took a couple of games off due to injury, uh, came back in the New England game and looked great. We are also getting Daquan Jones back at what feels like just the right time as he returned in that New England game as well. So this Buffalo Bills defense feels like it's getting healthy at the right time. And at, I'll jump in on just one note yeah, to go stomp, ahead. stomp on your take. Um, after rewatching the the Patriots game to kind of see what the heck happened on offense, I also watched some of the um, defensive snaps. Daquan Jones did not look like a person playing 
with a still repairing torn pack. He was playing with all of his pass rush moves. He was yep. doing full extension. He was handling the point of attack and double teams. All the things you expect to see. And it certainly, there was noticeably something missing from his get off and his like juice that he had before the injury. But the things that would make me, that I was looking out for to see if somebody, you know, like I, I think I remember seeing JJ Watt come back for the playoffs with one of his runs um, after a torn peck. I think it was, it was still with Houston and you could tell he was favoring one side. He was only using moves to one side um, away from the injury. That wasn't it for Dequan Jones. He looked like he might have been working through some football shape issues, but in terms of like actually being able to use his full range of upper body stuff, he he looked good. Sorry. Oh, no, no, he did. And and I was going to say he also played 50% of the snap share in yeah. that position as well, which coming back from a, an, ex, an extended injury uh, injury stay um, was great was great to see and it was clear that the bills were ramping him up for this miami game where they're absolutely going to need him even with Mostert out devon achan is still going to is still going to be a factor in this run game and with um miami having been limited of so many other weapons on the outside it, their lack of depth in the wide receiver room is likely going to play a factor here too so i can see miami relying heavily on that vaunted run game in which they are still uh, number one in EPA in the league per uh, rush attempt. So so it's definitely going to be a test for this Bills defense, but it feels like the Bills are getting healthy, JJ, at a time where the Dolphins are in an injury deficit right now. So where do you want to start? Because I think we can tie in some of our observations from the New England game into this pregame for the Buffalo Bills, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, where I know you and I both have some strong feelings and what we feel like we need to see against Miami based on the Bills' previous outings. Um, you want to start defense versus this Miami offense or vice versa here? No, let's let's start with the Bills' offense because I think that we can both agree the strength of this team right now is the is the defense and how they've been playing. That's so let's cra- start. That's yeah. crazy, isn't it? I know. With how much they've lost yeah. this season. Like it, yes. as far as personnel, that's unbelievable. Which, like, if you're out there and you're one of those, you know, fire McDermott people. Um, which was me at one point this season, right? Like, <laughs> I think it was. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, because, it, you know, it was like the Tyler Dunn piece came out and there was like so much going around that he just like was not that he did not have that team. But then like moments, I think that galvanized them because after that, that, you know, hit job in, a, in the media, um, there was a there was a noticeable difference from this defense coming out, you know, with the kind of fire they were playing with. And so I think that maybe the locker room answered the claims that he didn't have them. Right. And so totally agree. That, and that I think is a, that's something to note about the season, but yeah, let's, let's start with the bills offense because I think that we can finish with strength and, and talk about the bills defense versus this Miami depleted offense. So on offense, these Buffalo bills, what we've seen is that they've had a rejuve under Joe Brady since the Philly game. Um, we've seen they have this amazing kind of rejuvenated rushing attack. Their metrics all all track that they're you know yards before contact, yards per rush. They're they're doing really good work in the in the run game, and that's nice. They've also re you know reestablished Josh Allen as a weapon in the rushing attack, and so those those things have changed um, for the better under Joe Brady. Um, Joe Brady's also excelled at getting the ball out to tight ends and running backs out of the backfield. Where we've seen some slips is that you know. There, Stefan Diggs has all but disappeared from this offense since the since the bye, um, and uh, Gabe Davis. I think we we talked from you know previous pods about how he just disappeared for three games. He showed up for one, had had a really excellent excellent game, and then disappeared again. Um, and so it's it's getting the ball outside the hashes to wide receivers and connecting on a lot of our standard wide receiver, you know. Um, passing concepts that Josh Allen has excelled in in the years in years past has just not been there. He's you know been dirting some balls. He's been overthrowing. The connections have not looked good, and it's not. It, it's the the weird thing about it is at this stage in a season, and especially at this stage in many of these players' careers with the Bills, it shouldn't look like he struggles to have chemistry with these targets, right? Like after especially after seeing the start of the season when things were clicking with this offense a lot better with a lot of those. Those concepts, they hit a lull in the middle of the season and it just hasn't come back yet. And so we haven't seen a huge Josh Allen game. You know, Josh Allen player of the week against these Dolphins in week four 
that was, you know, four touchdowns. He had more touchdowns than he had incompletions in that game. I think he was 21 of 24 for four TDs, 300-plus yards. Um, it's just that kind of thing where we're, you know, we haven't seen a Josh Allen takeover game. And I'm hoping that this Dolphin squad is the get right for Josh because he's he's really dominated them um, in the in the years past uh, in the regular season. So yeah, those are kind of my observations generally about the state of the offense. Um, the Bills are still one of three or four teams in the entire 32 team league that have their their preferred five starting offensive linemen for every game this season, which I think that you know. To see the offense flailing in a year where, I mean, Josh Allen has been dinged up here and there. But other than that, we've seen mostly healthy across the board on offense. Um, weapons have been in. And so it's really a question of what is happening and can they can they do something against a team they know very well um, to really kind of get things sparked heading into the playoffs and, and win this one and then continue on with, with rolling. Yeah, it really feels like that uh, Bill's fandom doesn't have the the juice or the energy for another let's blame the coordinator round of criticisms here when it comes to the Bills passing game. So everyone, I think, is looking to sort of spread the blame out in a variety of different areas. Diggs is hurt, or he's taking himself, if you listen to Josh Norman, taking himself off of certain drives. Um, there is the Josh is just injured or he's missing guys. But but I think it's a it's a combination of just about everything. So One of the things, JJ, you and I talked about was wanting to see how Brady would adjust when teams were starting to take away some of these check down concepts to James Cook. We saw that a little bit in the LA game, and then we saw it really in the New England game, where where those teams were sending a free rusher on whatever side James Cook was coming off of. So it was doing one of two things. It was disrupting Cook getting out of the backfield on those passing downs, but it was also closing out the passing lane between Allen and Cook forcing Allen to hold onto the ball a little bit longer, move around in the pocket, move around outside the pocket, and look for a different target. What I haven't seen Brady do, though, with a lot of these route trees and route concepts in the passing game, is exploit the middle of the field with anybody other than Kincaid and other than Cook. And this was a criticism that we had of Dorsey's play calling last year and then early on this season as well, where you saw you see if you look at the NFL next-gen stat passing charts, You see Josh, when throwing to wide receivers, almost exclusively looking outside the hashes and outside the numbers. But when you play a team like New England, and when you play a team like LA, where there is a vulnerability in the middle of the field due to injuries or lack of talent in the linebacking core, um, and this wasn't the case with New England, um, but they were down Jabril Peppers in that game. Yes, they still had Kyle Duggar, but when you've got safety play that you can exploit as well, in that Philly game, Josh lived in the middle of the field, both with his legs and with his arm. Um, And then since we have come back from the bye, it's been a lot of what we had seen before, which is if we're going to target Diggs or we're going to target Davis, it's going to be outside the hash marks. There is an opportunity with how banged up this Dolphins defense is for the Bills to get back to good by using the middle of the field again. It is where the primary weakness of this Dolphins offense is. And it's not that teams are condensing the middle of the field and trying to take it away. It's just that for whatever reason, that's not where Josh's first read is going, or that's not where his um, his alternate reads are going. And it's not where a lot of these route trees are ending up too. When you pull Davis's route, tra- route chart and you pull Diggs's route chart, they're almost exclusively running outside of the hashes. Now, granted, you don't want all of these routes that Kincaid could be running, the check down stuff with Cook, and then Diggs and Davis clouding the middle of the field. But there is still an opportunity to use some of your A-grade weapons like Diggs, and I would put Shakir in that realm as well, in the middle of the field a little bit more creatively. I would love to see a C.D. Lamb type of approach to the use of Diggs in this game um, and see him line up in the slot. So if Ramsey is going to follow, you're going to take one of the best outside defenders of Miami and you're going to immediately put him on the inside guarding um, guarding Stefan Diggs. And if he's not, you're almost guaranteed a mismatch with Diggs in the slot where he can get a quick route release and hopefully exploit the middle of the field. Um, this should be a big Dalton Kincaid game as well because we know we saw Kincaid with that sort of breakout 51-yard bomb from Josh last game. And I think this could be a game where Kincaid presents a lot of mismatches for what is a, a relatively undersized 
linebacker unit for the Miami Dolphins as well. There's a lot, JJ, that is there for the taking for the Bills, but based on the New England game, based on the LA game, they're just not taking it. The It's so interesting because Brady came in and he was smashing the easy button with a lot of concepts, check down concepts, running back concepts that Dorsey simply was not folding in on a consistent basis. There is stuff that exists in the passing game where he can do the same thing too, but for whatever reason, it's not clicking. Either the route trees are inconsistently there or Josh isn't looking enough there. But this is a game where, where you've got to hope that all those things get corrected because Miami, despite the fact that Zayvon Howard is not going to play, they're still pretty tough in defending outside the numbers. So you've got to exploit that middle part of the field, especially with these light boxes that Fangio likes to play. Well, I was just going to add that that Fangio, you know, basically what we what we know about Fangio's defense when he's played for other when he's coached for other teams is true with the Dolphins this year. Their defense started rocky and has increased substantially week over week as players get more comfortable in the scheme, understand the concepts and understand what he's asking them to do and what the leverages are and where they need to apply pressure and where they need to bail technique and where they need to jam and now that they're playing a little bit better, they have Jalen Ramsey back. Over the past five weeks, this Dolphins defense has been a top 10 unit in almost every metric. And, you know, the Bills, even though they're injury depleted, need to take that seriously. And I'm, I'm with you. I think that what we've seen from Joe Brady is, yes, he's used concepts that were like begging, you know, Dorsey to use throughout the course of the year because Dorsey's plan was always the, our offense is the offense. We need our players to ex- execute because we have elite talent. And when our players execute with our elite talent, there is an answer for every defense and we will beat you. And that was when that was true, it was extra true. But when it was false, he never had a counterpoint. He never had a, anything to maneuver to. If Stefan Diggs was a step late or not getting separation in a game, the whole the whole passing offense might be cooked. You know, Dorsey was, was planning it. With Brady, he schemes ways to beat teams. But again, we're struggling to find an alternative when that first option is shut down. And so I think that that's a, that's a vulnerability. And to your point about, you know, the route trees that we see from Diggs, Davis, even Shakir for that matter, not really passing the center line of the field. I think that what we're seeing there is that um, Brady is using those threats as threats only, not as weapons. And that I think is a a, point. It's a great way to put it. That's a, that's a component of his offense is, using clear out routes and, you know, Gabe Davis got a game ball for blocking and running routes to pull defenders out of boxes and things like that. And that's fine, but you, that's only useful if those, if the the threat of those routes is actually ever delivered on. It's the same thing as play action passes. It's effective, you know, it's effective to some extent, a hundred percent of the time, but if you want it to be truly effective for game breaking plays, and this is part of the reason that I think we've seen the Buffalo Bills kind of go down quite a bit in offense when it comes to explosives. Like they haven't done any, you know, 20 plus yard passes, 10 plus yard runs in a bit, and they've struggled to, to catch them in games because those, you know, threat routes that they have, you know, the wide receivers running, Josh is not connecting on them for whatever reason. Those routes are not getting open for whatever reason. And so teams are able to give a little bit more cushion, give a little bit more separation and, try to squeeze down on the things that the bills are doing well underneath, which is seems to be stymieing the offense and they're not able to, you know, cause the the defenses to loosen up very much. And I agree with you. I think that the dolphins, you know, outside the numbers, they're pretty good in coverage. Um, as I mentioned before, they're a top 10 defense in most metrics since, you know, the past five weeks, um, even if they've struggled here and there and they, they gave up a massive clunker to, uh, to the Ravens. Um, that's still tracks. So that says that they're a little bit better than t- top 10. You know, they might be top five in some of those metrics. Um, and so there's some opportunities across the middle of the field. I think that even if Jerome Baker for the Miami Dolphins is coming back off of his IR, um, you know, th- he's questionable right now. He's their inside linebacker, their, be- their best inside linebacker, still not like an elite coverage linebacker. And so I think there's going to be some opportunities for Cook there um, and really, you know, some things to get done. The other thing to take note of from that Ravens game, um, the the Dolphins were playing their starting defense partly because of the injuries, but also just because of their the way they approach it. Um, this is not the same as the Bills defense. The Bills defense will come at you in waves, 
and there there are reliable depth players behind the starting level that can get you through a game. The Dolphins don't have that. The the re, part of the reason they gave up 56 points is that because once their front line defenders gone went down and once their kind of interior defensive um, line, Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, Raquan Davis, once those guys get gassed, they literally don't have defensive linemen past the second level. They have Emmanuel Ogba, Deshaun Hand as interior big guys, and then everybody else on their on their um, depth chart is marked as an inside or outside linebacker. And I know that that counts Melvin Ingram, that counts Bradley Chubb, that counts um, you know Jalen Phillips. Those, those are linebackers, but we know they play down in the dirt. But what that tells me then is that they don't have the kind of beef for a team like the Ravens, who's going to lean on you and run um, as much as, you know, some of the other, you know, as much as say the the Patriots that gave the Bills a lot of problems. Um, And so I think that if you can establish a physical game against this defense and kind of beat them up, they won't, they won't bring it. Um, We saw until, you know, um, Lamar Jackson was pulled from the game uh, with the, the Ravens, there were snaps where he had five to eight seconds in a completely clean pocket to throw the ball. Partially because at that point in the game, some of those defensive tackles and defensive linemen had been, you know, up 100% of the snaps and were just didn't have anything left. And so I think that if the Bills can have long sustained drives, that's another area of weakness is not only just the injuries, but the fact that they don't have reliable depth. And so you get a much less capable squad once you tire out the starters. And that's, I think, been an underrated story, JJ, of this Miami Dolphins team on both sides of the ball this season. The The roster construction really has lent itself to a lack of depth in a lot of key positions that this offense and the way McDaniel calls it um, are a priority. And, and I look specifically at the tight end and wide receiver room with that. And then on the defensive side of the ball as well, an overall lack of de- depth, I think, everywhere except you could argue maybe that defensive back room. But at linebacker and D-line, you're absolutely right. Um, traditional middle linebacker, I mean. This is a Miami team that that doesn't have a lot of depth, which is surprising because you still have a QB who is on a rookie contract and not getting paid yet. Um, you know, it's interesting. You you brought up the metrics on the Miami Dolphins defense. This is a team that, that heading into that Baltimore game was sixth in weighted DVOA, which takes into account more recent performance and kind of bunks um, early season performance. So you're absolutely right that after this eight week mark, two things tend to happen. Traditionally, teams in the fa- in the Fangio scheme they start to get better in the second half of the season. But then they also got Jalen Ramsey back at that time as well, and it was this great confluence of things. While this Miami Dolphins team was also going into a soft kind of garbage part of its schedule as well, it's had a lot of opportunities to get right. Granted, not against great competition, game in and game out. But now you look where they're at, not just with the injuries, but with where the scheme can be exploited. Um, And I think there's a lot working towards the Bills' advantage here. Um, And we have to remember, too, that that J.J., Josh Allen has played three games against a Fangio-style defense, a defense that has been led by Vic Fangio himself. Um, One earlier on this season and then two in prior years. And he has scorched Vic Fangio called defenses. Fangio doesn't seem to have, JJ, a lot of answers for what Josh can do with his legs or with his ability to extend plays. Um, And asking these DBs to hold up in coverage for long swatches of time isn't something that this style of defense is geared to do. So it'll be interesting to see, to me, if Fangio decides to call an audible. Uh, he blitzes at one of the lowest rates in the league. I think Miami has only blitzed on 21% of its pass rushes this year. I wonder if they're going to dial that up a little bit, JJ, and here's why. The book on Josh Allen has typically been that you cannot blitz him, because if you blitz him, he'll destroy the blitz, like he did in that Week 5 game against Miami, where he was absolutely stellar against the blitz. That being said, though, we've seen from the Jacksonville game really on a lot more teams apply a lot more pressure to Josh in the form of delayed blitzes um, and in the form of simulated pressure. You know, it's interesting because Josh, JJ, I, I didn't believe this until I saw the stats on Pro Football Reference. Josh is a top 10 QB as far as blitz rate this season, which means teams are blitzing him 
at a far higher rate than they had the previous two seasons. Last season, he was 17th in blitz rate. And then the season before that, he was 15th. So teams have kicked it up a notch. And JJ, that tells me that they're seeing something either with this Buffalo Bills pass protection or Josh's decision-making ability, or potentially the lack of performance from some of these wide receivers and pass catchers, particularly after the bye. They're seeing something that says, if I blitz Josh and get his timing off, this Bills, this Bills offense doesn't have the chance, doesn't have the ability to quickly adjust. Or if Josh extends the play, I'm not as worried about the weapons down the field anymore as I maybe was in previous years. You know, JJ, it's interesting. We said that the Bills needed to fix the drop problem that their pass catchers had last year, but this is still a team that ranks number four in the league in drops with 29 overall for the entire season. 12 of those 29, JJ, have come since the bye. So in the last month of the season. So these Buffalo Bills pass catchers aren't executing on a lot of these uh, broken down plays like they used to. And Josh isn't playing as well against the Blitz anymore either with some of his delayed decision-making and inaccuracy. If there is a way for the Dolphins, I think, to not to not wait for the game to come to them, it's going to be in the form of Fangio to meet changing it up and blitzing Josh more, which is definitely not in his comfort zone, but is something I think that we're going to have to keep an eye out for as an added wrinkle with everything on the line for the AFC East in this game. Well, I agree with you. I think that that's one that's been talked about kind of across the, you know, the talk space this week leading up is that he may need to do that with how depleted they are. The other piece that he may need to do that he doesn't like to do is to have Jalen Ramsey trail Stefan Diggs. And we know about, you know, Josh Allen and Jalen Ramsey's beef um, and the way that he likes to test that guy after all the comments when Josh was coming out of the draft. Um, and then we have the added complexity of, um, Eli Apple, who is the you know the opposite side CB, who's filling in with Xavier Howard out, and the beef that he has with Stefan Diggs after all of his talk, you know, post uh, Cincinnati Bengals playoff game in Orchard Park, where the the Bengals destroyed the Bills, and so um, Eli Apple was absolutely de- completely decompensated during the the Ravens game. They took him to the to the house, you know, on multiple snaps. One snap that he was roasted for repeatedly um, was where uh, Lamar Jackson dropped back as if he was a lefty and then switched his feet and threw. And for some reason, uh, Eli Apple bit on that and thought that there was no way that he was going to throw to that side of the field. And so, like, you know, which is just kind of, are you a professional football player? Are you a professional of any kind? Like, he's not going to throw a left-handed. Are you kidding me? Um, And so, um, you know, that's the kind of thing that, It'll be interesting to see how they approach coverage to, you know, try to get that execution, as you mentioned, Dan, from the from the wide receivers is, you know, what's Fangio going to do to try to keep that, you know, drops up execution down for this Bills, you know, Bills team who's definitely going to try to get that going, I think, against this, you know, the Dolphins with how Josh has performed. He likes to push the ball. It should be like 70 degrees with between two and five miles per hour of winds this evening. And so. Should be perfect night for football. Um, cloudy, but not really expected to have have rain. And if it is, maybe a sprinkle. Nothing too serious. So, um, yeah, I mean, there won't be any excuses. I, I think is my point. There won't be any excuses for Joe Brady, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, etc., to not make something happen against this defense. And I'm worried if we see a slow start and a failure to get going in the scripted portion of these plays. I'm severely worried about even if the bills make it into the playoffs with a win how they fare against teams that have a chance to prepare for them and you know are able to shut that down because you know it's good it's a big test it's going to be a true test for joe brady versus a fangio defense um and it's going to be an interesting relief to see basically an equivalent offense offense from a talent perspective based on injury you know injury luck and how they face the Dolphins under Dorsey versus how Brady handles them. And I know the second one's always harder because you give them a chance to see your personnel and see your opportunities. Um, But I do think it's going to tell a story of what kind of capabilities Joe Brady has as an offensive game planner and as an offensive schemer um, in what he brings to the table in this game. Because you can't, you know, there's some cheats available for him in the form of, inferior talent on the field for the Dolphins. And so the real question is, can you unlock some things um, or can you 
expose some things that Fangio is trying to scheme to correct. Yeah. Well said, well said. Um, and I think that puts a, a, a very beautiful little bow on our analysis of that side of the ball, JJ. How about we flip over now and talk about this, this surging bills defense against what will also be an injury depleted um, Miami dolphins offense. So as it stands right now, I believe Miami is set to play only one of its offensive line starters in the game. Tyree Kill is in, but has been at a walking boot all week. Jalen Waddle likely to be out, or he most are likely to be out for this game. And and folks need to remember that the Dolphins can do no worse than sixth right now. They are in the playoffs no matter what. So while I'm sure they would like the two seed and like home field advantage, my my sense is there's also something in the back of their mind that says we are already in. We don't want to risk what could be a very deep playoff run by putting guys out there when they're not ready to play. So Waddle, Mostert, most of the offensive line likely out for this game. JJ, it's going to be Tyree Kill on the outside and then probably Cedric Wilson or somebody like that. Braxton Berrios is the, the number two outside wide receiver here. And then it's going to be a steady, steady uh, diet of, I think, Devon HN and, and Jeff Wilson Jr. coming out of that backfield. So, JJ, what do you see are some of the keys for this now, all of a sudden, almost healthy Buffalo Bills defense as they go into a, a depleted yet still dangerous Miami offensive setup? Yeah, so I think that the, um, you know, it, it feels like, you know, it feels, feels like the point of the pod loses its potency when my answer is almost always win the trenches, right? Like it's hard, but that's football. Like there's no way to answer this question. (laughs) I have totally noticed that about us. Like it's like, I'm always on the offense attack, the middle of the field, get James Cook involved. And you're like, throw to the the trenches, right? Yeah. We've done the trenches. We've done 22 episodes and it's been the same thing basically for how the bills need to win. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think that that's, that's, that's the thing for me is like, and to, to expand on that, it's not just win the trenches because, like I said, that's that can be applied to every single football game. That's the strategy to win every game on offense and defensive lines is to win the, the physicality of the game and impose your will on the opposition. And so I think that's the answer. But more specifically, scheme-wise, I think it's you need to set the, the edges of that defensive line with Rousseau, Epineza, Floyd, um, maybe, I don't know if Von Miller's going to be back in this one. I hope he's going to be inactive because Kingsley Jonathan looked really nice against the, uh, the Patriots. And I think, you know, give him a young, a young, you know, upstart, um, who's on a cheap contract. And so it sort of feels okay for him to take snaps from a super expensive contract in Von Miller, um, in terms that you're not like kind of double paying. And so give them a chance, but have them set the pocket wide and maintain the edges until they know it's not a pass or not a not a run because that's where Devin A-Chain has Devon A-Chain has been really, you know, hurting other teams. He's not a between the tackles runner. Um they have done some things with zone that he's found some small seams cuz he's also kind of a small guy. Um that and he's quick, right? So he's found some seams in the middle of that line, but most of his money is being made outside the tackles. And so if you're able to have somebody like like, I think that Greg Rousseau is probably a top five or six D end in this league when it comes to setting the edge, mostly because of his length. It's really hard to leverage that guy and not give him an option to get outside and then shut something down or at least squeeze a, a running back further towards the sideline or back inside towards his linebackers. And so I think that setting the edge, um, the side opposite Rousseau is going to be critical to shutting down this run game. In terms of shutting down the pass, I think it's it's the same thing the Bills the Bills have held Tyree Hill under 60 yards every time they faced him in the Sean McDermott era. They know how to bracket him. It's the same thing that they did to, against CD Lamb um often is is that it's not a true double or triple team, but it's rather you're just kind of fl- you're you're floating your zone to be a little bit thicker with bodies towards that player's side of the field and you're always capping with a sa- safety on his side of the field. And so whether it's one high or two high safeties, you're always shading to keep things over the top. And that's, I think, going to apply even more in this matchup with Jalen Waddle likely not to play. They're not going to be afraid of some of those other players getting deep on them because they, they have done an excellent job the past few weeks of marrying the rush with the coverage and making sure that they have an answer in shutting down the pocket in less than three seconds. 
as a you know to to kind of close off half the field. We've seen the the Bills suffer this so many times where there's you know Gabe Davis running wide open in the end zone, but the rush has has an answer for that, which is they bring overbearing pressure to one side, to the same side that Gabe Davis is running open and uncovered. They have pressure coming from there, so Josh is flushed to the opposite side of the field, which kind of takes that throw off the table. Um, especially if he has pressure, you can't flip his flip his hips and and set his feet and get you know one of those cross cross body cross field throws throws out. That's the kind of thing that the Bills can do here too. Is you you set your coverages super strong, and then you have an option or a lever, a stunt, a delayed blitz with Bernard. Uh, <clears throat> to really flush Tua to a, to a place where he's uncomfortable and make a throw back across his body. Um, those are the things that I, I can see. Um, also, I think that, you know, you mentioned Terrell Bernard having a great year. Um, and as a, as a Pro Bowl snub, it seems criminal. I mean, he's the first player in like 35 years or something to have six sacks, three interceptions, two fumbles, two fumble recoveries. You know, like he has had an outstanding first year as a starter. And I think that there's a lag, right? Like, and we've talked about the Pro Bowl before. It doesn't really matter. It's kind of pointless. You know, Jalen Ramsey missed seven games this season, somehow a Pro Bowler. But Rasul Douglas leads the entire league in takeaways the past six weeks, and he is not. Um, Josh Allen has like 17 more touchdowns or 13 more touchdowns than Patrick Mahomes. But Mahomes is, for some reason, the Pro Bowl quarterback. It doesn't matter. I'm excited to see when the All-Pro comes out because I think that's a more that, that matters more. And it's more, it's, it's a more honest and reasonable assessment of a player's capabilities. Um, and so all that being said, back to the kind of the defensive scheme, I like, I don't think that they should shadow Rasul Douglas over Tyreek Hill. I think that he's their best coverage player, but I think they can play the defense as the defense. They can, like I said, flip their zones towards Tyreek, but not worry about, you know, having an individual assigned to him, because I think there's some Opportunities there that if they start to cap um, off uh, the route tree that Hill is about able to hit, that we'll have opportunities from Russell Douglas to take on some of those secondary um, receiving threats and potentially take away some balls. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I agree with you. I, I don't want to see any one defender on the Bills defense assigned to Terry Kill because it, it, as good as Russell Douglas has been, I don't know that there's anybody on the Bills defense that is capable of managing that assignment for four quarters. But I also, too, think that that does not play to the strengths of this defensive scheme. We saw them in Week 5 play a lot of cover six, a lot of cloud coverage over Tyree Kill, and we've seen them do that, as you mentioned, with C.D. Lamb and other number one wide receivers on opposing teams. The issue for the Bills this season hasn't been shutting down number one wide receivers. It's been shutting down the number two option, which based on DVOA heading into this week, the Buffalo Bills rank 29th in the league at doing that. Now, that's not necessarily a criticism of Christian Benford, who recently has really come on and settled in to that number two uh, CB slot um, very admirably. But it's more to the effect of the Bills assigned so many resources defensively to shutting down a number one ride receiver, they're often leaving their number two guy um, on an island. And for a long time, that number two guy was Dane Jackson because with Trey White out and before the arrival of Razul Douglas, Benford was the number one lockdown um, CB for this team. So a lot of those numbers are inflated with, by Dane Jackson stats. And we've had that conversation about Jackson's limitations in coverage. But Benford has really elevated play opposite of Douglas and I think that gives that should give Sean McDermott even more confidence in rolling out some of these cloud coverages over to Kill. And then you can rely on Christian Benford to manage his zone, Taron, Taron, uh, Taron Johnson to manage his zone in the slot against some of these. Lesser is going to sound like a cruel, cruel word, but the reality is, is there is a drop off between Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, and the rest of these wide receivers on this Miami offense. So I think Benford. And Johnson managing those counterparts for, of Tyreek Hill, that talent drop-off, I think is a lot more doable. You just can't let Hill beat you in this game, and you got to force Miami to figure out another way to do that while they are so depleted. And listen, I, I say this every time too, got to get pressure on Tua. If he gets the ball out in less than in, in 2.3 seconds, he is deadly when he is on time. 
and he is the third best graded QB in the league, according to PFF, when he gets to throw from a clean pocket. When he is throwing from a pressured pocket or a collapsing pocket, his QBR drops from 80 to 20. So you know you want to get Tua under pressure. And, you know, Steven Ruiz, who is one of my maybe favorite guys who breaks down QB analytics, he, he often jokes and calls Tua's progressions performative because the reality is, is Tua knows where he wants to go with the ball. He's not throwing to a guy. He's throwing to a window where because of the speed on this offense, he is 90% sure a guy is going to end up showing up. And that has worked to great effect for them this year. But when you can disrupt that timing on those route trees and you can get to two and force him to hang on to the ball when that timing doesn't exist, he cannot process with nearly that level of speed post-snap. Post-snap, he is one of the weaker QBs still in the league when he doesn't have those first two predetermined routes that he can throw to. So if you're the Bills and you take those away and you get pressure on him, it seems like a simple recipe and maybe we're oversimplifying it with how easy we're making it seem. But if you get pressure and you disrupt those throwing windows, play the windows, not necessarily the man, which is what this McDermott defense is so good at doing, you should have a really good day, hopefully defensively against what is a depleted Miami offense. They're still going to break one. I could see Hill still going for like a 30 yard or I could see HN, you know, breaking off a long run because that's what this team is built on. They're built on the explosives. But if you can force them otherwise to matriculate down the field with where they're at right now, schematically and personnel wise, I think I think the advantage goes to the Bills defense, which is not something you say a lot against a yeah. Miami offense. Well, and I think, too, that the, the Buffalo Bills defense has been doing something in the past few weeks or, or even probably half the season in great measure. And that's population to the football. You have to have that in this situation. And good things happen when you get a lot of bodies around that Terrell. Um, or I'm sorry, Christian Benford strip out fumble against the uh the Patriots tight end you know in the first quarter that was that was purely just an effort play because that player was wrapped up and he showed up populated the football had nothing else to do other than yeah, maybe I'll try for a fumble and got it right and so um that's the kind of thing that I hope that we can see with the Bills defense on this in this matchup as well um and count you know counterpoint kind of flipping back to the other matchup um, this Miami defense is not as good at tackling. They're one of the poorer tackling defenses in the league. And so when players have challenged them, you know, and, and they have good yards after contact, the Miami defense has not been good at that. So the Bills need to be excellent at it. They need to, to be good in tackling, sure in tackling, um, not miss tackles, because that's, like you said, what, you know, how, how Miami makes its hay is by breaking open explosive plays, causing people problems in, in kind of the long and late downs. Um, and so hopefully that's, you know, something the Bills can take care of. And like you said, pressure um, and like I said, population of the football. And I'm really excited to see what happens with um, the interior pressure for the Bills. Ed Oliver has been playing out of his mind the past four or five weeks. And I hope that that continues on, on a long playoff run because he is he's definitely making the Bills look smart for, for that extension. Um, he's going to end this year, I think, the 14th or 17th highest paid interior defensive tackle, but he's going to probably end statistically in the top five um, in the league. And so it's, it's good money, right? That's a good value. Um, and so seeing interior pressure, like you said, you know, when we kind of started off the Miami Dolphins don't, they I think they have one or two, I think they have two of their preferred five starters on the offensive line. And the biggest, you know, void of talent is in the interior. The center, Liam Meikenberg, had his first start of his entire life as a center against the Bills, and I think it showed up, right? Like, we got, there was pressure on Tua early in the, in the middle of that pocket, um, and he's improved over the course of the year, of course, but then he was out for injury and is just now coming back. And so they're going to have, you know, a backup center. They're going to have a backup guard. Their other guard, Robert Hunt, who is a preferred starter, is playing, but again, coming off of an injury. So this will be his first game back, is likely to play. And so there's vulnerabilities there and, you know, and, and, you know, they do have two of their five preferred starters on the tackles, but one of those is Taron Armstead, who is, they got to wheel his corpse out and like rejuvenate him every time to, to play. Like he's 38 years old. He's had a long storied, successful career. He's been an amazing tackle in this league, but the thought that he can, you know, shut down AJ Epineza for 30 snaps is like less likely, right? Like he has some some issues with mobility. He's got knees, shoulders, ankles, you know, all things going on. He's, he's kind of dragging these injuries behind him every week. Um, and so 
Yeah, I think the pressure, uh, disrupting the windows, making sure the two moves to a second read, because I agree with you, he's not a second reaction thrower. He is a, you know, read it, probably pre-snap, know exactly where he wants to hit hit that, that connection point, hits the connection point or doesn't, rarely makes a, a mistake or throws an interception. Um, and if the Bills can kind of close down those connection points with good film study and knowing where he would like to hit them with the ball, um, I think this could be a long day for the for the Miami offense. I'm excited for that. I want to see the Bills defense show up and show out. And I've been of the opinion, kind of talking in the broad scope, um, with with other you know friends and Bills chats and things like that, Dan, that if the Bills head into this game and the Jaguars have won and it's a win or you are out uh, scenario, I think that's when we see the best game from the Bills. I think that if they have it, same same as the Dolphins having it in the back of their mind that the worst they can be is a six, I don't actually love the Bills playing this game within the back of their mind. Oh, if we'd lose, we're still in, right? Like, I prefer to see a, a desperate team because I think that's the only way you match the energy of Miami at home after being embarrassed, also has the stakes on the line of a two or a six seed and home field advantage in the playoffs. And then also has the stakes that, like, I think that this is the part that is, you know, maybe not talked about as much. The Bills are their boogeyman. The Sean McDermott is like eleven and two against the the Dolphins in in his tenure, and Josh Allen has completely roasted them in in his games. He's had Offensive Player of the Week five times in like you know less than twelve times seeing them. So I think that the Bills have the ex will need a little bit extra juice. Because even an injury depleted, even a, you know, we still have the six seed Dolphins team is going to have some motivation from the fact that this is, this is the team that we probably set out in the beginning of the year to say, we're going to take the division from these Buffalo Bills because they have, you know, victimized us so many times, so hard for so many years. Um, there's some, I think there's some added motivation there that the Bills can't necessarily match because they're the, they're the bully in this situation. Um, it's, you know, the revenge aspect of it, I think is more in the Dolphins favor than it is for the Bills. And it's the kind of thing too, where it's like, you know, the Dolphins, you know, replace the, the Ravens logo with a Bills logo and then take out some of the aggression they have from being embarrassed on national TV last week, um, in this matchup against the Bills. And so those are my kind of, you know, thoughts about how it's going to go, um, and how it could go with extra motivation, added juice. Um, for this team and, and, and things we'd like to see. Speaking of things we'd like to see, JJ, uh, how about we see what we think our score predictions for this are going to be? What do you say? All right, let's do it. All right, prediction sure to go wrong. Um, I got this game 24-21 Bills. I know a lot of folks are expecting a high-flying, high-scoring game, but it, it's tough for me to think that the Bills have just been sitting on this uber dynamic super effective passing game under brady since the bye i mean since the bye jj josh allen's completion percentage is under 60 60 it's 58.3 and i know he's had nine total touchdowns since the bye but six are rushing only three are passing he's averaging under a passing touchdown each game um since the bye uh in this joe brady offense it i would love to think that the Bills are going to put another 40-burger on the on this Dolphins defense, and Josh is going to throw for five TDs. But I think what is more reasonable is that the Bills figure some stuff out. Gabe Davis has a solid game. Stephon Diggs has a solid game. And overall, you feel good about where this offense can go heading into the postseason. So I'm going to go 24-21 Bills. Great. No, I like that prediction. Um, I, I similarly think it's going to be a very close game. Um, I think that we might see the Bills first 31 just because of all the injuries on the, the, you know, the Dolphins defense is very depleted. The Bills might look better than they actually should against this team in this situation. And so I'm going to go 31, 27 Bills. And I think that it's a 27 to 24 um, game with the Dolphins leading in the last two minutes, um, which, you know, Everybody have your cardiologist on speed dial because, like I said, you know, 31-27 Bills, um, and I think that the Dolphins are 27-24 to in the fourth quarter with two minutes or less to go. And the, this is an opportunity for Josh Allen to show his stuff and shine and, and show up, you know, in a way that only Josh Allen can um, with the game-winning drive for a touchdown. So um, that 31-27 Bills, 
God, I hope, you know, they pull this one out because it would be sweet to be in the playoffs where the only team higher seeded than you is the outstanding Baltimore Ravens and you don't necessarily need to worry about them until an AFC championship. I totally agree. Um, all right, JJ, how about some props? Uh, I got one on offense, one on defense. Uh, first on offense, Josh Allen over under two and a half passing touchdowns in this game. Ooh. So he has not gone over two passing touchdowns since that Philly game. So as we established, has not had a multiple passing TD game since the bye. So is this the game where Josh Allen remembers that he owns the Miami Dolphins and goes over? Um, yeah, I'm going to smash the over on that one. I think he gets, he gets more than two. My score prediction of 31 total points would indicate that he needs to do some stuff. So, um, yeah, I think the bills, you know, bills find some passing juice against this, this team and, and he goes over two and a half. Yep. You? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be over. I think he'll throw three and I think those will be the only three touchdowns the bills have in this particular game. Nice. All right. Cool. And then you want to do yours? Yeah, I'll do my offensive. Uh, my offensive one is. Dalton Kincaid over 100 yards receiving. Ooh, I'm going to take the under. Okay. Only, only because, again, I just, I don't know. I don't know what Brady wants to do in this passing game. I don't know who he wants to prioritize. I don't know what level of the field he's picking to exploit. He's been so good in the run game of identifying where teams are weak and just relentlessly twisting on that weakness. I haven't seen that in the passing game yet. So I hope. I'm on the hopium pipe for a hundred because that would mean that he sees the same weaknesses in the middle of this Miami defense that we do. But again, I haven't seen enough proof of concept in a small sample size to say that, that he'll do that. So I'm going to take under, I think Kincaid probably has a decent game, but I'm not going to say over a hundred yards. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, you got a defensive prop. What is it? Yeah. Wait, what's your over under on that? Oh, one? um, I'm over. You're yeah, over. I'm, oh, I'm all the way over. I, Hardcore I think hopium that addict I, right I, yeah, no, I want to see. I want to see Dalton Kincaid like I want to see him like slam some of the the doors on these uh you know rookie receiving records and and things like that and rookie tight end for the Bills stuff that he I want him to firmly stamp his his way into the league as a you know outstanding offensive weapon for this team. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh here's the next one I got for you. Leonard Floyd who to cash in on a 2 million dollar contract incentive needs one and a half sacks this game. Uh oh. Leonard Floyd over under one and a half sacks. Will he get it? Oh my gosh, I'm going to say over because that's a heck of a motivator. And I think that you could see, <laughs> it's funny because like, I don't, I don't care what, what it takes to motivate you to, to sacks Leonard Floyd, go get it, my friend. That's what yeah. I'm saying. I'm going, yeah. I'm going over, over with that as well. He de- he deserves it. He's had such a great season for this team. Um, absolutely. All right. I've got your, one. Yeah. yeah my one defensive uh, prop, Rasul Douglas over under 1.5 turnovers. Wow. So he's done I that twice, he, Isabel. Yes. He's done it twice in, in, in six, six games. weeks. He's done it twice. So, yeah. so we're saying that almost half of his games as a Buffalo Bill, multiple he will turnover, games. multiple turnover games. Um, man, I'm so tempted to hit the over, but I'm I'm gonna say under. I'm gonna say under. I just I get their injury depleted, yeah. and I be on I may be on an island with this. I just have too much respect for Tua and the way that team plays. I think Tua is a good quarterback. Yeah. But I also don't think he's a sloppy quarterback either. So yes. I, so I, I get he's got twelve turnovers this season, but but that's a lot. I, here's I mean, here, yeah. Here's my I, devil's advocate on that though. This is a for it all type of game, and they don't have many options. So I think that's it creates a kind of perfect storm for somebody like Russell Douglas, who does such good study of knowing where the ball is going to be and when it's going to be there. That if if they're especially if the you know Dolphins are trailing for any portion of this game. Um, there's going to be some snaps where I think Tua is going to, against his better judgment, try to make something out of nothing, and that's a that's a ripe ripe for the pickings for Rasul Douglas. So I'm I'm hitting right. the over. All right, all right, you've talked me into it. I'll, I'll take the over too, oh, though, though I don't hey. feel good about it. I don't the feel good fluffy. about it at all. <laughs> but JJ, I'll tell you what, I do feel good about this pod. Uh, may the technology gods be on our side as we go to post this thing here before the game. For all of you listening at home, like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Google, Apple, Spotify, and as always, go Bills. Go Bills.